You're listening to the Rogers Sporting Goods Podcast with Patrick Fisher, Chandler Smith, and Josh from Outdoor Limits. In this podcast, we'll touch on everything from gear to ducks to deer, turkey and fishing. From field to table, let's dive in. Yeah, I went up there for, we left last, gosh, what is today? I got back this last Friday. We came back a day early, but it was fun. Almost to the Canada border. We're like 25 minutes from International Falls. And we did, uh, we want to go smallmouth fishing. Inevitably, you catch all them line cutter pike yep. Yep. that you'd never want to mess with. It's half your lures get lost. Yep. You yeah. always got to bring extra because you just know you're going to catch some. Take the cheap stuff. And they just like, snip, snip, mm-hmm. snip. And then I, usually I'm like, I'm not going to net them. I always have a pair of pliers. I'll just reach down, grab the lure, and shake them off. And then that wasn't working. So I, is, is that how you got? We started netting Is that how you got stuck? Yeah, and my, my brother nets one. It was like our last morning, and it didn't start off well. <laughs> um, and so he catches a pike, and, and I net it, and I bring it in. And I don't know if he just – I think he still had tension because he was holding up his rod and let it – instead of letting it down and I reached down I had a crankbait on there so I got two treble hooks hanging off the bottom of this crankbait and I reached down with the pliers one popped off and went into my hand Ouch. past the bar which has never happened before so that was my first experience with that that was fun <laughs> yeah. and uh, and the other half still in the fish and the fish starts flopping around mm. so I'm just screaming help help <laughs> My dad finally realizes what's going on, grabs the fish. And, but, yeah. But I numbed, hand? numbed it up my left, which you, I you which I used. Wounds? Yeah, barely. You can just oh, see where the hook went in, and we popped it out. But, oh, you pushed it out the other side? No uh, braid trick? I didn't do, like, the line trick. Yeah. Right? I've, I've seen it done, but I didn't know how to do it, and I wasn't thinking about it at the time. I was more worried about my dad. He grabs the pliers just smiling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, calm down, doctor. He's like, it'll hurt. I'll just yank it out real quick. Which, yeah, it would have been fine, but back in that bar bout would have sucked. So it would have. We, uh, I grabbed some ice and numbed it and then just pushed the push all the way through. Pushed it through. Cut yeah, the barb. Cut the barb. Off, put some paper towels on there and my glove over it, and we went back fishing. There you go. Yeah. But golly. Did it was fun, the, though. Did you get into smallmouth? Lots of smallmouth. And I saw some walleye. I think my biggest um, was pushing five pounds. That's a good. It was four and a half. That's fun. Something yeah. like that. But I think the av- you know, two pounders, something yeah. like that. They're they still fish. fight like crazy. Yeah. Um, few walleye, and a couple sauger, and tons of pike. Oh. And pike, which they're great eating, but we just didn't mess with them. Yeah. 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 If you've ever seen a microscopic image of their teeth, like compared to a walleye tooth. A pike or a muskie's tooth is like it has a razor edge on one side of it. It is actually sharpened like on the edge, and a walleye tooth just looks like a cone. It doesn't even look sharp under a microscope. Yeah, don't want to lip either one of them fish. No, coming up out of the. I've had I've known a few people that they like it's dark, especially like walleye at night. You know, and they'll reach down to grab the fish, not knowing that they caught a walleye, or they weren't fishing for walleye or whatever. You find out real quick. <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. Go for the gills. <clears throat> yeah. But it was a good time. The trip is long. That 10-hour drive, 
You oh, just I imagine. 35 until it ends in Duluth, <laughs> and then you cut cut over a little bit. But, you know, and then trying to pull a boat through St. Paul, Minneapolis. Oh, yeah. And all the traffic. So crazy. <laughs> Whipping in and out. You got a 20-foot boat behind you. And then we're the only ones up there in a flat bottom. Everybody's staring at you like, what are these Missouri catfish noodlers? What are they doing up here with their camo sea arc? Yeah. <laughs> like everybody up there is in their low or lund. Yeah. Yeah. Got their little kicker motor on there. Yep. Or walleye fishing, <laughs> which is fine. I, I'd love to get into a mess of walleye, but yeah. I'm more, uh, I get bored too easy. So I want to be out there casting all day instead of trolling or jigging for walleye. It's like the the northern crappie, basically. I mean, it's like crappie fishing here. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like kind of slow, and they don't really fight hard. They're just, but they're good. Right? To eat. Oh, they're so good, yeah. and the water's so clean up there. It's just crystal yeah. clear. There's no garbage, really. It's nice, even compared to some of the lakes down here. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to eat much out of there. <laughs> Hot. Yeah. We had good weather. Had a fire one night that must have started, and it was on Tuesday. And by that night, you couldn't see across the lake all the smoke and hmm. all them wild wildfires that get there. Oh, really? Yeah, in Canada. Obviously, they got a bunch in Northeast. You know, that's been all over the news. And this yep. one was just across International Falls. But anyways, what was it? It was a good time. Two years ago, that Minnesota was having a lot of big wildfires. I think so. And was it, uh, it's funny, we started talking about wildfires on the way back. And now I can't remember what my dad called it. I can't remember if it was Iowa or Minnesota. And I'm talking way back in the day, like the Great Fire or whatever it was called. But And it yeah, was like the, sure. one of the biggest fires ever in the country. And it killed hmm. like, I'm pretty sure it was Minnesota. And it wiped out like. You know, half the state, just pockets of fires and all. And back then, it's not like they had... That That started from the railroad, um, you know, and a spark set off a fire. Yeah. And then, you know, like, it's not like you have fire departments now, so we're talking way back in the day. Yeah. You know. Don't know what's coming. And it ain't killed. Can't put it out. Was he talking like 1894 fire? The, the Great Hinkley fire? I'm just. It should be Minnesota, September 1894. Yeah, it sounds about right. 200,000 acres and stuff. Yeah, I mean for that. I mean, official would, death was 418. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard of that. Which the only thing me, and, has, me and Dad were talking. <laughs> you're in Minnesota with all them lakes and stuff. I'm just jumping in the lake. <laughs> you yeah. think? Yeah. yeah just, you would think. They sneak but, up on you. Enough, right. Though. You couldn't fight fires back then like you would yeah. now. It's not like you got. Pumper trucks, yeah, rolling know. out, putting out grass fires. Eighteen ninety four is probably a horse and wagon. horse drawn wagons <laughs> with buckets of water. Yep. Yeah. So it was a good trip, though. Pat, but, who do we have here um, today on the podcast? Yeah. So to my left, um, Ryan, and to his left, Casey, and they are from uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers um, organization. Um, kind of started a few months ago, a couple months ago maybe, reached out. and I don't know, they just, uh, I think what that organ, organization is, um, 
what it stands for, the things they have going on um, is super interesting. Um, they're from the Missouri chapter, so I think last I looked, I mean, there's a couple chapters in Canada. Um, most of the United States, each state has a chapter. I think there's a few in the Northeast, um, I believe, that doesn't have a chapter, which when we get into, if you want to start a chapter, we'll get you set up. So um, if you want to join BHA, you can, but we'll get into that. But yeah, so I wanted to bring them in and, and really talk about some stuff that maybe people don't um, hear about a lot or issues going on in the outdoor world that, uh, that us as hunters, right? We, we're checking uh, limits and uh, season dates and uh, when can I go hunting, you know, things like that. This is more the, the stuff that maybe we should be paying attention to. Yeah. Um, that's not out. It's out there. But I don't know if everybody's searching it, you know. So we got some good info. And so they represent our Missouri chapter. And so we can get into some uh, local um, discussions um, that uh, deal with uh, public land stuff and uh, things like that. Some national news stuff um, we just had come out. So, yeah, should be a good time. And so, and, so. Uh, Ryan, where where are you from in Missouri? You... I'm from right here in Kansas City area. You're in Kansas City area. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and Casey, you're in Lee Summit, Kansas City area. Yeah. 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 Grew up in Independence. Independence. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Parkville, born and raised here. Oh, yeah. Moved away for a few years and found my way back. Yeah. Old Jet's going to land on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I wonder if he pick, that picks up on the podcast. That's funny. But you guys, waterfowl, deer hunter, turkey hunter, hiker, you know. Um, and I grew up hunting small game. I killed my first like squirrels and rabbits at six. Yeah. Um, I killed my first deer at 12 and I've been doing it ever since. Uh, one thing I really haven't gotten into a ton is waterfowl just cause that's not how I grew up. Uh, ran snow goose a couple of times just on yeah. guided hunts. Um, but I killed a couple of ducks up in Kodiak a couple of years ago and that oh, was really yeah. cool. They're great to hang on the wall. But other than that, I haven't waterfowl hunted much. Yeah. Um, I love eating duck. I'd be interested. Yeah. But other than that, I generalist, I'll chase about everything else. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up hunting farms just east of here along 24 Highway. My family's from Waverly area. Yeah. And then uh, did a lot of hunting down in the Ozarks for whitetail and quail and dove are kind of my primary game. Since then, added some more. Uh, just like Casey, haven't gotten into the waterfowl game yet. Uh, tried getting myself invited a few times, but yeah. people are pretty selective and pretty protective of bringing out the new guy. So. Yeah, it can, it can be that way sometimes. <laughs> it yeah. sucks. It shouldn't. But, but yeah, like, plus uh, like I was deer hunting. Yeah, I was told uh, it was a secret spot. Yeah, if I want to get into waterfowl, and I just better expect to be poor. So. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah. I'd say it's one of the. I mean, I don't. Yeah, it definitely is one of the more expensive things if you go full into it. Yeah, but you could go into the store and say, Patrick, I need to go duck yeah. hunting this weekend. How do I do hey, it? And he'll get, be like, What's the minimal I need? He'll get you out the door. Yeah, I think I can get you out the door. You know, pretty minimalistic. Uh, but when you dive into it, you know, if you're full on and you got a boat or you, you know, decoys, dogs, dogs, water <clears throat> and land decoys, and you got trailers stuff to haul and, your yeah. decoys and trailers and yeah. yeah, yeah, it gets the shotgun you need, the ammo. <laughs> I think the like, one time I tried to DIY it, I tried early season teal. I got half a dozen teal decoys and a little a call and yeah, like 
rubber boots and I, yeah. I gave it a shot. I didn't do yeah. very well. Yeah. But I tried. Yeah. And that was a cheap way to get into it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And you um, don't need much really. I no, mean, you don't really need a much. spinner. The, the spinner is the big thing on yeah, the teal. Yeah, I think the main thing there and is finding just, where the teal <clears> want to be. Yeah, be in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. If you just go sit out on the lake. But that's what we've talked about that before, Shannon. Like, I mean, if you just pick a spot and you're like, oh, I've seen ducks fly over this area, yeah. that doesn't mean that, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, you can come in. We'll get you set up. <laughs> we'll get yeah. you into waterfowl, just another expense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be a few dozen decoys. Yeah. yeah. Waiters, yeah. Waits. Yeah, I got, oh I got in gosh. the waterfowl lake. I, you know, I grew up bass fishing and fishing and you know freshwater fishing my whole life my grandfather has a lake house on lake fork and so we go i go down there all the, all the time in the summer and just fish and then that's how i got interested in more of the outdoors and then the deer hunting and then the duck hunting came last kind of thing so yeah but pat's a big big bow hunter yeah that's probably yeah. my passion got the bow, iowa roots bow hunting yeah and then yeah. iowa roots yeah yeah grew up deer hunting and but i love waterfowl hunting you know i'll go once or twice a year i say i love it and i only go once or twice a year i i really do love it but um i always tell more this year when i have an empty bow tag in my pocket though it's hard for me not to keep doing that yeah Yeah. it's a lot of fun um for me it's a uh it's more than just the the bow hunt itself uh even not being successful that's just kind of my uh like my church per se yeah. you know sitting up there in my stand quiet yeah thinking about stuff yeah robert yeah. ruark has a, a quote in one of his books it's like he's never found god in a church he finds god in the outdoors yeah so, yeah that's it's just a great like yeah you just gather your thoughts think about life and you know listen and to when us, you're gonna listen run to snacks. a I run out of snacks quick, so we all know that. Did you guys go? My to the, snacks are gone by sunrise. What happens? Yeah. Did you guys go to the Heartland premiere last weekend? Heartland Bowhunter had I their saw premiere? that. I didn't. I didn't. I go to saw the it too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know I they're sponsored that. by another big box store, so yeah. I was gone or bigger, but um, I did see about it. Yeah. 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 I like those guys. Those uh, that shows. It's yeah. It's a good show. I grew up with Mike, so yeah. I've yeah. had a He's couple a dude, of really. them come in the mm-hmm. store. Oh yeah. Um, one. That used to come in quite a bit. I can't remember what his name is for the life of me. On the bow hunting side or on the waterfowl side? On the bow hunting. Well, oh. I think on the bow hunting side. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you guys were talking, it was funny. They were saying, Chandler, they remember the old story. You know? Oh, it's yeah. It's like I, the, the yeah. smell, you know? It's like the mm-hmm. soft plastics. The lighting yeah. in there. The lighting. Yeah. <laughs> old, on, old on T91. Yeah, I can smell that yeah. store still. Yeah. yeah. Yep. A lot of a lot of soft yeah. plastic. That was the first time I ever saw a manufactured deer stand. Before oh, really? that was, I grew up old two by fours hammered uh-huh. on the side of a tree. Mm-hmm. I've hunted out of some of them. And oh, I, yeah. I saw yeah. that and I saw, I was like, that's a chair and there's a cushion on it. Like, What's that was a game on? changer for me. Yeah. yeah. It's got a rifle rest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have to use hammer and nails. <laughs> yeah. Put up my stand. Yeah. For sure, boy, they've come a long ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything has. It's all. Yeah, now we're changing. up there. We look like loggers in trees. And we're up here in saddles and ropes and I all know. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, what is uh, you know? So I guess to set the stage, like, 
what BHA is, what what the you know what the organization is. Um, kind of tell us a little bit about that, like just you know the generalized. If if people go to you know backcountryhunters.org, you know what are they going to see? What what are we staying for? What's the you know I guess yep foundation of it. Well, so we're a 501c3, so a nonprofit that is focused specifically on a key issue or key issues. And those for us are public access to hunting and fishing. Um, so what our goals are is around making sure land access is available, water access is available. So if you hunt, you fish, find yourself out on public or find yourself uh, maybe hunting a family farm that's going to be getting sold and you're going to be losing private access. Um, having to look at that public access proportion of it or perspective of it, I guess, is, uh, yeah, that's what we're there for is to try and continue to protect it as well as get new areas of access for hunting and fishing throughout the entire North America. Yeah, I was looking, um, gosh, I don't, I can't remember if I wrote it down or not, but um, like Montana, I wrote down, like you talk about access and opportunity. I think Montana has a little over 2 million acres of public land that's blocked from the public access. Yep. So it's surrounded by private land, um, and you just can't get to it. I mean, that's a lot of public land that's not – you know what I think of? I think of Yellowstone. Oh, jeez. I know, but that was the first (laughs) thing I thought of, Montana, but like – it kind of makes sense. So you get all these cattle ranches or you get, um, you know, all this private land and it's blocking all this public land. And that um, is probably something somebody can relate to now. Like there's, I've, I've only watched a little bit of Yellowstone, yeah. but one of the first seasons, there's like a water access issue, right? They mm-hmm. dynamite the creek and move it. We would care about that. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that's kind of BHA. That's, uh, I think that's the foundation is that the access, the opportunity, for outdoor enthusiasts and that's hunters and i think non-hunters alike it's not just getting out there hunting we're talking about everything from camping hiking fishing as well as hunting Mm -hmm. if you like the outdoors bha that's kind of their standpoint is we want everybody to be able to enjoy the public lane that's available to you yep and touching on what you're saying about Montana and that 2 million acres, mm-hmm. in the entire United States, there's a, nearly 10 million acres that's inaccessible, that's publicly public land. That's so 10 so million much. acres of, our, of mm-hmm. our nation's public land, and it's technically accessible if you have a helicopter. You can fly in, drop down by helicopter, have that helicopter pick you up. Because it's take been it back built out. all the way around mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. private land, and there's just chunk of public. Yeah. And it's, there's a history and nuance to it that, I, honestly, I, I don't have that full depth. There's yeah. podcast after podcast out there that's dove into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, on, like, honestly, it, it came from the railroads and the way the railroads were you know, developed across the West. It was split between public and then the railroads owning the land. And then as it sold, it just kind of became a checkered model throughout a lot of the Western states. And so it's a model that just continued. And then through land acquisitions, maybe areas that had been open slowly get closed off or easements are lost things like that so um yeah that's yeah a lot a lot wrapped up in that but it's a thing that you know we continue to work on trying to get those easements you know continue the ones that are there continue to make sure they're protected right 
um, and try getting access to the other ones. Yeah. That, uh, well, I don't have a helicopter. <laughs> um, I don't have one. <laughs> I don't, if you I had a helicopter, uh, you could buy a chunk of that 10 million acres. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say is, um, you know, the people that develop around it or whatever, you almost, and we might have talked, alluded to this before we got on here, is it's almost like that public land that the people didn't pay for that bought all that land, it's almost like it just becomes theirs for free. Mm-hmm. By like, proxy. Yeah, like, oh, it's landlocked, um, and so I'm just going to use it mm-hmm. as my own. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you can't use it as, as public land, but... Uh, you just can't get to it. It's almost no one else is allowed to get to it, and you got, you know, whoever, whether it's a town or, you know, uh, farms being built around it or whatever, now you've got this giant chunk of public land that's available to anybody, and no one can get to it. Yep. i got to walk through your yard. Yep. And then that's a whole nother thing, which I think we're going to touch on. That's kind of what you're talking about, this... You know, if you kind of, the best way to explain it, I think, is like a checkerboard, you know, mm-hmm. yep. and it, you know, we start talking about corner crossing, um, which is the term people have come up for, but, you know, and how do we get to this public land and all these millions of acres out there without, you know, intruding on someone's private land that they do have, um, <clears throat> which has been a big topic, um, especially for the state of Missouri, um, Yep. So interestingly, the state of Missouri, we don't have much in terms of that checkered model of of inaccessibility that is mostly impacting Western states. But, uh, you know, currently there's a a lawsuit that recently went through and the kind of the backstory on is there's some Missouri guys headed out West to do some elk hunting. They uh, checked in with the local game wardens. They checked in with the local sheriff's department and uh, actually built a, uh, a custom ladder out of, you know, of old, uh, out of an old aluminum ladder, packed it into the backcountry, set it up at one of these corners to actually cross from public land section to another public section, and then continue to do some hunting. Well, this bumped up to uh, a rather wealthy landowner who uh, didn't like that. So when the guys came back out, that landowner had the local sheriff there to write them trespassing tickets. So that's gone through. The BHA was one of the funders of a, of a basically fundraising to help them battle this wealthy landowner who was bringing this lawsuit against these gentlemen. And um, so Wyoming chapter BHA was one of the spearheaders because it did start in Wyoming. Uh, nationally, the national BHA was able to contribute over $150,000 to that campaign, uh, to that lawsuit in defense of it. And uh, yeah, we just recently learned that um, the Court did decide the guys were in the right to do what they did. Mm. Um, and naturally, as we know, within the American court system, there's going to be a, a yep. couple of rounds probably mm-hmm. of appeals. But, you know, it's a trending in the direction that we want to see it. So yeah. getting yeah. that access back. Pretty interesting because they didn't they didn't set foot on the they private lane. The, yeah, but their airspace, airspace they yeah. crossed their left elbow and right elbow might have crossed into the airspace of, of the private land, but they never touched foot on it. Yep. So that's just crazy. And it went through criminal and then civil, yeah. and then now it's you – know, is there appeal going yeah. to happen? Yeah, that's what we've civil. heard is there yeah. will be. But, yeah, it was criminal trespass was the original 
lawsuit. Original. And then they got that got thrown out. Yep, the criminal charge got thrown out, and then it went to civil. Um, I've got the quote from the judge right here. It says, corner crossing on foot in the checkerboard pattern of land ownership without physically contacting private land and without causing damage to private property does not constitute an unlawful trespass. And that's from Judge Scott Scavdall, who was presiding on that civil case. Yep. That's what I was looking for. I wanted to pull this up. Um, I'm sorry. So that that was last... Was that last fall hunting season or last big game? Or is it two years ago? It was a couple, years, years, ago. A couple years ago. Yeah. I feel like it's just going, yeah, it's been yeah, on court, for a while. Court litigation takes forever. Yeah, or so. yeah. But yeah. Um, like Ryan said, is we don't really have that pattern here in Missouri in our yeah. land, but it affected Missouri hunters. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I just found out last week I drew Wyoming antelope tag, so Love it you. might affect me this year, and I might go hop a corner. I don't know. We'll yeah. see if we can. This was we'll like, so we were talking about one of the things that that case – had brought up, or the gentleman from Missouri, um, or their lawyer, whoever brought it up, talked about the uh, the unlawful um, enclosures or um, the unlawful closures act. I'm probably not saying it exactly correctly, but um, unlawful. Let's see, chapter 25, unlawful enclosures or occupancy obstructing settlement or transit. So that's one of the precedents that they brought up um that's actually a law um and so that's i wanted to read that just so people so um obstruction of settlement on or transit over public lands no person by force threats intimidation or by any fencing or enclosing or any other unlawful means shall prevent or obstruct or shall combine and confederate with others to prevent or obstruct any person from peaceful peaceably entering upon or establishing a settlement or residence on any tract of public land subject to settlement or entry under the public land laws of the United States or shall prevent or obstruct free passage or transit over or through the public lands. Um, yeah. So, provided this section shall not be held to affect the right or title of persons who have gone upon, improved, or occupied said lands under the land laws of the United States, claiming title thereto in good faith. So, like we're talking about, this guy, obviously, he had a fence, and they couldn't get to the public land without going through his fence and yeah. touching yeah. his grave. Yeah. So they did the ladder, <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, which I was, I didn't look up a picture, but, <clears throat> and they used the airspace. So, yep. And I can't was, speak to for sure that there was a fence there. Um, I think there was fairly yeah. certain. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't speak to that, but even if there wasn't, even if there wasn't, you still, you know, trying to get to it without getting physically but i believe there was a fence in this case i'm pretty sure um, yeah. which under that you know you're blocking the access to it yeah by closing yep. it off with yeah. a fence um if i were going to play devil's advocate on that law because legalese is, is hard you got to read it and you got to understand the meaning of everything right um that chunk of property was obviously prohibited to settlement so they weren't going there to settle um it talks about passage through well, they weren't looking to pass through it really either. They were looking to access it to hunt. Yeah. And that's probably what the counter would be. It's like, mm -hmm. well, they weren't they weren't traveling. They weren't 
passing through. We just weren't. Yeah. Yeah. But and but we also know that you know lawyers are are not maybe our favorite people all the time, and they're looking to make a bunch of money. And but if I were going to play devil's advocate, that's what their lawyer might argue in that in that law. As you, they weren't looking to pass through; they yeah. were looking to go hunt, and they were going to come back out the same way. Right. So, and so it's still. Uh, so in their effort, they they at least won this first battle or whatever you want to call it. Um, there's an expect expectation that there's going to be an appeal. Yeah. Um, more than likely, yep. at least from everything that I've heard. Yeah. Yep. And I think from everything we've heard, they, they'll win that appeal as well. But it's it's a long process. Yeah. But this is still a, a topic, um, you know, when we boil it down to just the simplicity of it, again, is, okay, if there is some landlocked public land, how do we make it available for everyone to enjoy? Yeah. Um, we don't have helicopters. We can't just rappel down in there. Um, so is it either, you know, they come in and part of your private land, and that's a whole nother legality. Yep. We're going to make an easement that everybody gets to use, even though you own that land. Like if, uh, you know, this was the corner in this room here, and they put an easement in here, a yeah. little road or whatever that people could use, whether it's a walking trail or a gravel road or, yeah. you know. I think um, it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be a multi-year ongoing battle, probably, I'd anticipate, because it's not, you know, it's federal land, but it's every state. Every state has different, you know, rules and regulations around their, you know, land laws. Yeah, easement laws. Yeah, so... That's it's just going to be a process because there are easements like you see easements to properties like for sale. Mm -hmm. Like you'll be looking for a, a farm <laughs> with a house on it or whatever, and it's like there's an easement off the road to mm -hmm. get to it that kind of goes through someone else's. Yep. So yeah, those easements are either a previously established. You know, a lot of times it may be a history of a, you know, a forest road. You know, access for the forest service back to it. That's a public easement. Um, and we've even had issues where BHA was involved in the past where some of those were getting shut down by a local sheriff, which again would block off and essentially turn it into a landlocked public land area. Um, but then also there's agreements. And so as we move forward, like, what does that look like? You know, that's a ever evolving process of, can we get those agreements? You know, what do those look like? Are there nonprofits, whether it's BHA or REMF, RMEF, Rocky Mountain Health Foundation or other public you know public access issues or or organizations excuse me or hunting organizations that can work to buy the you know those easements or those sections of land that would then open up public spaces so I think it's going to be a combination of all of that that's really going to ultimately hopefully hopefully get us in that direction of opening up a lot of this you know nearly 10 million acres. Mm. Yeah. It's a pipe dream that would be a lot less complicated was what if the state or the feds or whoever could buy 10 square feet at that corner and turn that into the easement or yep. into the public right. land. It's 10 square feet. You can walk through that without a problem. But yeah. I, that's probably not going to happen, but it'd be right. amazing. Buy mm -hmm. yeah. tax adjustments on that land. There's, there's and trying a lot of different ways. Yeah, because the, yeah. Yeah, people are going to say, well, now my land's valued at this or, yep. or yeah. it's... Yep. Yeah. I'm, okay. What's your cost per acre? I just yeah, bought ten square exactly. feet of it, and, and an I'm gonna, and I'm gonna yeah. overpay it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they're gonna overpay for that. Yeah. Corner. Right. Um, I think, and I can't remember if we were talking about this 
back in the day, Chandler, when we were bringing up blue laws, but remember that case with the waterway? And, and so, and I think this happened in Missouri too, but I, my memory is fading. I, I'm still I, don't, on know, I don't remember that so, was a while so ago. So what happened is a guy was floating down. You know, we get a lot of streams and things. People mm-hmm. float down. Mm-hmm. So he was, he put in, I, I think he put in off a, a roadway where yeah. you could park, put in, floated down. Well, that stream went through some guy's property. Yeah. He didn't enter from the guy's property. He entered from a public access point to get to another point. The stream happened to go through his property. The guy has cattle. He put up one of those, you see them, the the cattle fences that go through the stream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of times they'll use like a piece of tin on the bottom of it or something. Uh And then you see the fence sticking up. and, um, And the guy floating moved it you know lifted it up so he could get through there was a case on it that guy ended up winning yeah. um, because he put in from mm. one public access yeah um, he didn't put in on the guy's property to get in and he never left the um, high water mark the high water mark of mm-hmm. the bank yep. you know yep yeah Missouri um, has a navigable waterways law yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, but that's kind of you know it's kind of the same thing we're just we're talking about water and that waterways you know it's kind yeah. of the same uh yep. topic so to yeah. speak you know that's another issue is waterways especially well, for waterfowlers or things like yep. that that want to get to i've had a I've, so i'm local law enforcement in the kansas city area i've actually had a call like that where somebody called on a trespasser on their property and mm-hmm. the guy was walking in the creek um and i had a i had a conversation with him and i i emailed him the law about navigable waterways and in the, the dispute comes down to what's definition of navigable. Right. Does it, is it is mm-hmm. it wet year round? This happened to be a creek that dried up in the summer. I would argue that's probably not a navigable waterway yeah. anymore. Right. So you you probably need to watch your p's and q's on that. Yeah. And and really learn what a navigable waterway is. Yep. Yeah. But speaking on that, that's actually one of the things BHA is and has been involved with uh, the River Access Coalition uh-huh. down in Christian County. So I don't know if you're familiar with the Paddler's Guide to Missouri that the conservation department puts out each year hmm. or not each year sorry they've had they, it's a you can go it to the rings a bell but it's not something that i've department of conservation website they have had a number of 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 issues of it but it's a it's a full waterways floatable where do you where are the put-ins what's the water markers what's even the the, the flow rates based off rain things like that so like what's the drop of them so uh, within within that, so Paddler's Guide to Missouri, the Finley River down in Christian County, the zero mic, zero marker put in. So at the, the very start of that river for floating, is at the uh, Linden Lure, Linden Lure access point, okay. which uh, historically it's had a, a a road public road right into the creek bed. That's where it looks like you know, it's been there for hundreds of years. There's it, history goes back, oh, like I said, 100 years of public utilization and access, a road even that was maintained utilizing FEMA money after some of the flooding that happened in Southern Missouri. And um, during, uh, I believe it was around, just a few years ago, a a neighboring landowner put in a cattle gate with some of those big concrete barricades Mm -hmm. to block that road right across the public road, right across the county road. And um, so this was one of the things that came to our attention 
you know, we've been involved, like I said, working with the River Access Coalition, which is a nonprofit that actually stemmed and, and became an organization because of this exact entry point. Um, so it was a lawsuit. They, we had a like River Access Coalition, basically the public had to sue to get the road open back up. And so that's one okay. that was, it was one access was reopened here uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Um, and uh, yeah, just one of those things like it was the public, we went to the county, we, we pulled history like, hey, it's on the maps. You've been utilizing FEMA money to, to maintain this road. And uh, it just became a big issue where essentially the, some of the commissioners on the, on the board down there in that county at the time, I don't think they're still on the board, but they said, I'm friends with the landowner. I can't be involved in this. And so they turned to blah and die. So instead of serving the public, mm. they were serving a private interest. Yeah. Mm. Um, but with that, when you close that off, that zero, you know, that first put in, well, the next access point is about seven, I think about seven, eight miles down. So you just lost seven floatable miles of a river that you could fish, of a river you could take your family on, of a swimming hole that was known for, that's where a lot of people grew up learning how to swim down in the, down in that county. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things that we did fundraising for, did online auction for here a couple years ago to help raise money as a part of that lawsuit. Yeah, and we do get questions sometimes from our membership and other people about where our money goes because we do raise money at most of our events for mm -hmm. through raffles or whatever. Mm -hmm. We donated several thousand dollars to the Missouri hunters up at the, the Wyoming Corner Crosser issue. We've donated a lot of money to the Linden Lure Access Fund and the River Access Coalition. So that's we aren't lawyers ourselves, so we no, right. give money to the people that are going to fight. And actually, that. I think if if people want to see where. I mean, at least a lot of it was shown. I think it's on the website. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, I believe there's a page that'll show you. Hey, this much was donated here. This, you know. Yep, and you kind of keep track yeah. of it. Yep, you yep. Know, yeah, it's not a, going in anybody's pocket. And even right. beyond our website, I'm, I'm a, you know, we're the Missouri, we're Show Me State, so you gotta, yeah. gotta check it. Right. Yeah. Um, GuideStar is one of those nonprofit organizations that actually grades and ranks nonprofits, whether it be. You know, any type of nonprofit could be a higher education, so a college institution, you know, a 501c3, like any organizations like that. GuideStar is one that I highly recommend. Go look and see where we rank on that because we have currently a platinum level in terms of our money and not only like where our money goes, but how much of the donated money goes to the effort versus how much gets eaten up by administrative costs and overhead and all mm -hmm. the things that yeah. you start yeah. to see, okay, well then what kind of salaries are some of these executives of some right. nonprofits right. making? Right, you see that and you're like, man. Yeah, they, you saw articles like that. They're becoming millionaires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, was it like the big Haiti earthquake several years back or quite a while right. back? They were talking about like every dollar you donate, only like two or three cents actually right. trickles down yeah. to help. But, That's not And us. obviously there's, there's costs. There's a website. There's things, you know. Uh, but what you're saying is, I mean, is it, is it 80 cents on the dollar? Is it all of it yeah. um but a lot of it's going to yep. yeah yep and again most of us we're a grassroots organization you, you touched on it so we are throughout all the united states and canada we may have a couple of provinces up in canada and a couple yeah. of states we're still not in i'm pretty sure we're not in hawaii yet but at every state level so we have the national bha uh, and then every state has its own chapter that's run by volunteers and so i'm a okay. volunteer casey's a volunteer mm -hmm. our board Anybody that comes out and helps with events, we're all volunteers. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Well, as you guys were saying, you still have your 
jobs that you yeah. go yep. to. We have day jobs. jobs. So or night jobs in my case. But it's a passion, <laughs> right? It's yep. just something that you you know you feel strongly about. So you mm-hmm. get into. I don't. So one thing I wanted to bring up. So as you know, we talk about issues that BHA as a whole. You know, we talked about access and opportunity. We talked about uh, you know the public lands and waters and. Obviously, um, you know, a big part's habitat conservation, and um, I think you were talking about cleanups, and yep, you know, so there's things like that mm-hmm. too. Um, we don't have to get super deep into this. So one thing um, is the fair chase also mm-hmm. is is an yep. issue. So the big topic right now is drones. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was brought up. So at least fr- from what I could read on BHA's website is they're a proponent of banning drones um, for scouting and hunting, both. Um, and I'm, I don't, uh, and I, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. I didn't know they were banned bit. already. I mean, I just didn't. And maybe they are. Over a lot of public land, they are already yeah. in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But like private land, too. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're saying as well? Like just as a whole we'd kind of like drones to be banned for scouting and hunting as a whole or I can't speak a ton to that um, because I haven't, I haven't honestly seen our stance on it quite yet. Um, But I know that over public land in Missouri, generally that is, that is not allowable. NBC doesn't allow it over their land. Sure, Um, We're starting to see a lot of States banned like trail cameras, like completely. Uh, Kansas just just started one, right? Uh Um, If you're thinking you want to ban trail cams or cell phone trail cams and you kind of got to do drones too. Yeah. And I, I've taken – so my stance on it just has a quick look without doing an in-depth research on drones. And Chandler, yours might be a little bit different than mine. But so um, – well, I can see the public. The public land part I get because what happens is, um, you know, there's a lot of public places too. You can't do the trail cams. You can't mm-hmm. put out mineral licks and things like that. I understand that to a degree because what happens is more and more people do it. And then they just leave their trail cameras out. And then yep. they just leave these bait sites. And then they leave their stands up all year round. or the, And they don't take them in and out yep. like you're supposed to. Or a ground mm-hmm. blind. And pretty soon that public land, we're doing a cleanup because we've got piles of steel and yep. you know things like that. So I get it. Um, the drone thing, yeah, too. When you talk about fair chase... Um, yeah, it's a hot topic. Yeah. You're flying a drone around, and especially if you're maybe you're doing it at you know, and you got infrared or thermal or some of these yeah. drones, and it's like how much money okay, you got? How, yeah, yeah. So you know what's going on here. I do like it though um, as a recovery tool. Sure. Um, which I know some places I think allow it. Um, you have to be careful. Because yeah. are you using it for recovery or are you scouting at the same time? So I think yeah. on my stance of that would be as the company, whoever, like, um, if you are a company, although you could just go buy a drone, but, um, like, say you hired me out, you have a deer, you're like, hey, right? Because that's one thing we want to do is we want to recover any game that we yeah. shoot. We want to make sure we didn't have a bad shot and it's injured, which inevitably has happened. Yep. Um, so we want to do everything in our power. Um, you know, whether it's dogs using yeah. hounds or drones is a real good way, especially if it's right after the shot, they're still 
there's heat, you know, yeah. using that thermal imagery. Um, and say you hired me out, I came out, I can look for you, you can't look. Sure. I can lead you where to go. That yeah. way you're not, as the customer, using my drone footage as a scouting tool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of one way around that. Um, although, you know, people find loopholes and, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. right. There. You know, but, yeah, so I don't know. I guess I'd have to dive into it more because drones are a thing now. Yeah. And they're just, you know, it's a tool that's out there that we're going to have to uh, come to a head with and figure out how we want to do this. Yeah. And they are very cool, and aerial imagery is really neat and very helpful to us. I would say, honestly, just get on X if you want aerial imagery because you can get your topo overlays, you can get your right. overlays of the earth and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Recovery-wise, I can see that being useful in, like, north of here, northern Missouri. We got a lot of ag. We got a lot of fields. You get down to the Ozarks, you're not going to fly, fly that drone through the through the oaks and yeah, yeah and the when cedars. It's a wooded, and the, yeah. It's just not going to yeah. be helpful. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some deer. They get out in the field and die out in the middle of a crp field that's mm -hmm. and it's like yeah they're start great. grid searching yeah. and you gotta start great. grid searching and yeah. i get it grid search sometimes works but a lot sometimes of times it though it doesn't and by the time you do find it that deer's eating up there's nothing left yeah. so yeah. eating uh, up and you're mowing the next year you know and you're something. mowing the next year and you're like oh, oh there it is there it is and that happens a lot too so yeah, yeah it's a it's a touchy subject i just i wanted to bring up fair chase in general and i yeah. think you know, most, if not every outdoor hunter believes in fair chase. I would yeah. hope. Yep. I know us four here at the table probably believe in fair chase. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Yeah, I'd Come say. Come on, Chandler, get on, here get with, on board. Here within Missouri around <laughs> fair chase is uh, uh, there was some attempts, you know, here in Missouri just a few years ago, attempts to move um, high fence deer, you know, deers in the high fence model over to the Department of Agriculture rather than staying under the Department of Conservation. Mm. So starting mm. to try and delineate the same species between two different departments, start adding in a bunch of, you know, just Yeah, they bureaucracy. kept or, or industry. Yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah. we, uh, you know, that's one where we, we completely believe that that needs to stay under the model of conservation, conservation mm -hmm. agencies, you know, following that model of, of true fair chase. Yeah. I do like, and this is private land, so it's totally separate, you know, I like the the trail cam use. Um, I think it's a tool that hunters can use to, especially if you're someone, we all got jobs, yeah, right? Your hunting time is limited. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of time off to go hunt. I also work in a hunting store. So when it's hunting season, that's our busiest time. Yep. So for me to take off, it's very limited. So especially like cell cams now. Um, you know, utilizing that as a tool to benefit me of, hey, this is a good time to go yeah. out. Um, yeah. And they are know. just really neat. Like some of my favorite trail pan cam pictures I've ever seen from from our family property down south yeah. was like great horned owls, you oh, know, yeah. thumping a rabbit at night. Yeah. That was really cool. <laughs> or the bobcats, like the stuff you never ever see. No, yeah. But no. you, it's really neat to know that it's there. Yeah, you get some great wildlife pictures. Yeah. It's well, and, it's almost as much fun going yeah. and checking that card. And then you're like, doe, 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 awesome, an owl. Yeah. So Yeah, you're more pumped. Yeah. I had a bobcat there for a while. Uh, I put the, I get some great pictures. You put a trail cam in a creek bed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just because it's a natural, oh, my gosh, I've seen, you know, little otters or I've seen a, a bobcat carrying a squirrel, yep. bobcat carrying a rabbit, 
the bobcat with its, you know, little Kids. babies yeah. walking across the uh, um, a tree that had fallen down. You know, they're walking across. I've mm-hmm. had a bald eagle. Owls are yeah. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they're definitely good for environmental or you know, species tracking, yeah. population, not management per se, but mm-hmm. having an understanding of what species are in areas, which having a person sit out yeah. there. So the trail cams, yeah. I've, I've read a lot that they've been very beneficial in terms of yeah. understanding management of, of sure. species. And it can decrease human impact on the landscape because mm-hmm. our, we are not physically out there as often. We have something else out there. So animals and nature can behave more like nature wants mm-hmm. to without our impact. Yeah, the tough part like I brought up is when you get to the public side, it's if we start allowing too many things, then what happens is, um, it gets left out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Private all about it. And then you're just, you know, now we've got, and then arguments. I know that I've talked to agents in MDC and conservation and they're like, we started letting people out and then everybody's arguing and that was my trail camera. And now we're taking, stolen reports and you know and then it just creates a hassle that doesn't need to be there yeah um, but anyways so um cool real, all right real quick how, how many acres of landlocked land does missouri have i know we, we threw out the total 10 million and then i think what do you say montana had two montana two million was two i wrote it i left my sheets in my office oh and um and I can't remember. It's a good question. Unless I don't, you guys know off the top of your head. I don't know the answer because don't, we don't have, like, the grid pattern like, yeah. like yeah. out west does. And I know, like, our land again down in southern Missouri, we've got – we back up to some core engineer land on the mm-hmm. back. Well, it's accessible, but only if you want to walk a couple miles from yeah. the access point. Yeah. So I can walk straight through our family land and get on public in a quarter mile. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Just depends on your, yeah, your what, definition like, so of what, access. Yeah. So I don't have numbers on the state in terms of landlocked, but what we see more close to home is the water access. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. as I mentioned, the Finley River down in Linden or Linden Lure access mm-hmm. was one that went away. Um, we did win that back through lawsuit, so that's that's opened back up. Um, but what we're actually starting to see now is down throughout a lot of areas in Missouri, there's the low water bridges. And mm-hmm. so across even some, you know, blacktop highways and things, there will be lower bridges that as they're improving, replacing on infrastructure, going through and actually building new bridge, bridges, excuse me, um, the bridge design we've seen, which actually I, I have to, I have to look at every time, um, is uh, Good Hollow in Taney County was one that was a fishing, trout fishing stream. Mm-hmm. The bridge built on that highway there is built in a manner where historically you had access you could just pull off side of where walk down get on the river and you can float and yeah. these are all listed in the paddler's guide to missouri as put in takeout areas yeah. well they built the bridge so large and so high steep embankments on the sides of it that took up the easement mm-hmm. you can no longer access it there oh yeah so every every new bridge that's going in if they follow that same model and we lose that you know that same design we're going to lose that access point yep so again you can start looking at you know what you lose one here you lose another there all of a sudden you've lost over 100 miles of floatable river like that so that's one thing we're working on right now um is trying to actually neighboring states tennessee has it oklahoma has done it Um, maryland i believe is another state they actually have as a part of bridge design is actually walking paths for access parking area along the side that's accounted for as a part of the bridge design just so that people can continue to put in 
be able to put their their kayaks and canoes in. You know, we're not talking about huge boats or anything yeah. like that. We're talking talking floatable. Put yeah. a canoe on, put a kayak on, and mm-hmm. be able to fish those areas. Put a raft on there for fishing, for floating, having access for the public. So that's one thing we're actually working on right now, trying to get some stuff push, pushed through with the Conservation Federation of Missouri as well as MDC. Cool. That's I, I didn't know about that issue, but I'm as a I kayak a, a lot too. I do see that issue sometimes. Like I, I'm always concerned of where, like if I can. If I could stop at this bridge, if I could park in it and move a kayak down there legally, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. you know that type of stuff. So, yeah. well, yeah, new and, bridges are making it hard. Yeah, yeah, and then even to that same front, there's been a number of areas where uh, a landowner will just put up on a public road that gives you the public access. They'll put up a no trespassing sign just mm-hmm. to keep people away. Yeah, because you're going to be. You know, we're typically law-abiding citizens. We're going to see a private land sign or you know no trespassing sign. We're going to follow the rules and be respectful. Yeah. But when it's, it starts turning a bit of a game and they're putting that up and, you know, we're having to now start fact checking on, on Onyx or some other mapping service. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, nope, this is actually public. Well, I want to check. I'm going to call up a department, you know, NBC yeah. agent, you know, Department of Conservation agent or local county or whoever to find out and confirm. Yeah, that is a public road. So those are things we'd like to see is even if, if it's, you know, illegally marked as private, I think, or if it's marked as private, but it's actually public, I think there should be some laws to protect the top public around that. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to look it up real quick, but you get a forum of everybody yeah. having yeah. disputes with landowners. In oh, Missouri. yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It gets, like, it gets you could really quick. get in the weeds there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny. You were talking about Onyx, and they had a story that came out on a, another website. They are talking about how they want to get all this publicly and unlocked yeah. and yeah. onyx is, is generally great but always trust but verify i mean you don't know if the satellite's off a couple of feet or whatever yeah. so yeah but onyx I mean, is it's, great. it's super you know i mean it's it's really reliable but yes you definitely want to yep. double check yep make sure um so a big since you guys obviously are doing the missouri chapter so some news broke recently that I think, you know, a lot of waterfowlers need to pay attention to, um, that I think we should dive into that you guys brought up. Um, this just came out June 6th. So, you know, we're a couple weeks removed from this press release coming out in Missouri, but let's dive into that, especially for all you waterfowlers out there in the Missouri area or you visit Missouri and, um, but anyways, Let's let's dive into what came out June 6th. So as we understand it, June 6th, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife announced that they're going to be closing Swan Lake. It's a very well-known migratory waterfowling area just a couple hours east of here in Kansas City. And um, just due to staffing shortages, they are cutting out some of the access. They're cutting out hunting uh, altogether. So not going to be allowed to hunt on that anymore moving forward starting this fall here of 2023. So... Um, with that, that's one of the first things, you know, we're working BHA of trying to, trying to first make people aware this is happening. And then also, you know, we've had conversations with the land managers out there. What we understand the issue to be is, uh, they had a staffing of 12 allocated to it. And that staffing is getting cut down to one by this fall. Mm. And so just due to staffing, staff cutting, uh, we're going to be losing that access for being able to hunt out there. And is that something, do you think that's going to, I mean, do you think this year's a lost cause or, or are we, like, what's the, what do we do to try to get this 
Well, open. Yeah. So it's staff is the main mm-hmm. issue because yep. they got to have the help to. And they got to have the budget resources there for it. And so uh, we all have senators and we all have congressional members that have yeah. email addresses and phone numbers. And we got to flood them. Just got to put them in there and just, you know, put that in there enough, reach out. You know, I hate to say we have to complain, but you got to complain. You got to be the squeaky wheel. Otherwise, you don't get the grease. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to have any. Uh, is one thing that, that BHA has done, is there ways that you can set up like town hall meetings for leaders either in that area or whatever to listen, you know, or things to, or go to, I don't, so whatever county Swan Lake is in, you go to like their public, you know, board meetings or whatever where people can show up and well, the Fish and Wildlife Department should have meetings around that as well, um, if they have any coming up. But you know, sometimes yeah. they do, sometimes they don't. It right. just depends on. But if they have any coming up, that's a thing that we try to promote through our social media. Yeah. Try to get people there, either in person or if it's something that they can dial into, join virtually. Um, but typically, it does require people being physically in in the meeting to to voice up their con- you know, speak up their concerns. Huh. Yeah, it's a big one. Yep. It is. It's pretty recent. Is that, um, I mean, do you have any other big projects? Is that a big project for you guys or anything that you want to bring some bring some light on at the yeah. current moment? Yeah. Um, so that is one that's definitely high for yeah. us. Again, it's, it's right at our mission of loss of public hunting area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes time for these. We don't just dive in and start screaming at the top of our lungs. Like, we want to have an understanding of the issues what are the potential path forwards you know one thing i believe is if you have you know if there's a problem you try to come with a solution as well yeah and so that's what we're working on right now um we'll, if we haven't already posted it you it's a statement of of what our position is on it obviously we disagree with it happening but you know we're going to try to work with yeah. u.s fish and wildlife maybe work with other organizations nonprofits, and say if it's a funding thing is there ways that you know mm-hmm. public money can be contributed to that no to help cover some of those costs and open it back up. But yeah, um, yeah, from an issues perspective, that's one of the biggest. I know I touched on the river access. Um, That's one of the biggest. And then what we always say too is, you know, we're volunteers here in each state. So when there's a public land or public waters access issue, how we're gonna find out about it is gonna be from some local resident of an area reaching out to us and communicating to us like, Christian County, you know, I don't live down there. Like, I'm not going to be the one to hear about it. The locals are. And so if I don't have, you know, I have personal contacts down there. We've had, you know, organizational members down there who reached out to us and said, hey, this is happening. Can you all take a look? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we get where a person just, they trespass riding a horse down, you know, down a creek bed and they, you know, ride a horse. So they're walking down a creek bed and the next thing they're in the, the farmer's field. Like, that's not an issue of public access that's an issue of trespass mm-hmm. whereas if it's an issue of trespass or public access that's what we need to know like right here in kansas city area one of the things that we had happen just a few years ago was uh blue river parkway mm-hmm. or the blue river parkway is a uh, essentially it's a it's a river blue river and so there's public park land all along both sides of the blue river and uh there was a local developer that was looking to put in a driving range and they were working with uh, Jackson County to sell the land as surplus land. And so it was really going under the radar. And actually another mo- nonprofit, uh, Urban Trail Co., 
which maintains and builds single track trails. Yeah, I ride mountain bike. I'm on Urban Trail Co. all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were out just maintaining trails and they found all these surveying markers yeah. right over yeah. one of the areas of trail. And, you know, BR, BRP is pretty good for, for mountain biking. Yeah. So, and yeah. it's great for fishing right yeah. there on Blue River, too. And mm-hmm. so because of that, you know, BHA, Urban Trail Co., other nonprofits were able to find out well, why are there survey markers out here? Oh, it's because they're looking to potentially sell the land as surplus land, which and there's surplus public land. Like, come on, we're not that, we don't have that much laying around. Yeah. Um, so we were able to call in, put a call out on our social media, get people to flood the, the legislator, not the legislators, but the, the county commissioner for Jackson County to say, hey, like we completely oppose the sale of this, this surplus land. And we were able to stop that development for that driving range. Really? And that was happening right in the, right in the midst of COVID. So. Yeah, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So it's, again, you know, long story short is if you're having issues where it's it's truly an issue of the public is losing that easement, it's losing that a gate showed up on a public road that's been there for, you know, 100 years. Yeah. If there's all of a sudden you're seeing survey markers in your local park, whatever it is, you know, BHA is there from trying to support keep that access open right yeah. yeah and for swan lake I, I don't think we really have a plan just yet this is so new yeah. it's a yeah. couple weeks we're a couple in weeks in yeah. yeah yeah and we're you know we're some months away from waterfowl season when people are going to start to recognize the, what do you mean we can't go here this yeah. year so oh, i'm it's sure it's going to gonna ramp up yeah and mm-hmm. we hope so and and like a big a big help with it or help with us um is is collaboration so we like to work with other agencies because our missouri chapter i think we've got 350 members like we're not huge compared to like Ducks Unlimited. Mm. Well, does Ducks Unlimited put any money towards Swan Lake to to fund that habitat? And Ducks Unlimited cares about habitat management and waterfowl a lot. They also care about hunting. So getting other mm-hmm. organizations like that involved to really start pulling some, yeah. some weight is is where we kind of shine. Gotcha. So that's yeah. what we would like to do, I think. Yeah, that'd be one. an interesting one to keep up on. Because um, yeah. our waterfowl weekend coming up, you know, might be a buzz around the... Yeah. yeah, the talk, you know, because that's a, you know, everybody knows about Swan Lake in this area. So. Yeah, I, it's huge. Yeah, um, it's, it's in the Golden Triangle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you guys are talking about the your guys's Missouri chapters like social media. You guys have your own pages. Mm-hmm. Yep, we it, do. Each state has its own page. We try to communicate local events that we're doing, whether that be, mm-hmm. you know, archery shoots, trap shoots. You know, pint yeah. nights are one of the big ways we do pint nights where, you know, meet at a local brewery, distillery, something like that, mm-hmm. and just have some drinks and talk hunting, fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Hunts yep. coming up, hunts done, yeah. things like that, yeah. and uh, just develop community within the within yeah. the region. What, yep. what are those handles? I mean, from the Missouri side, at least, or is uh, it? Uh, we've got a Facebook and an Instagram, and you can, you can find both if you just search Missouri BHA. I'll Missouri look up BHA. our, yep. our gotcha. uh, Missouri handle gotcha. real quick. Yeah. Instagram, we're mo underscore BHA. Gotcha. And then Missouri Backcountry Hunters and Angler, Anglers on Facebook. You know, Iowa, Illinois. I mean, like I said, every state, you live in a state and you're listening to this, look up BHA. National BHA has a, it's a social media as well, so you yeah. can also get more of that higher level of like what's happening not just at your state level but at the national level because there's a lot there's a yeah. lot that's out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have collegiate programs. Several colleges have chapters. I don't know if we have any collegiate programs in Missouri. Like I don't know if Mizzou has a chapter. I don't think they do. Yeah, right now I, we 
colleges, you know, the, there's kind of an ebb and flow. Yeah. Every four years, there's, yeah. you know, every and year there's a new batch of students, essentially. And it's yeah, hard yeah. to maintain a program, you know, if yeah. you're getting that much turnover. Um, right. There's also on a national side an Armed Forces Initiative. They have an Armed Forces chapter. Mm. That's actually our biggest chapter. Really? It's a bunch, a bunch of people. Um, and they do they do a lot of cool veteran stuff. I actually got to go on a veteran's turkey hunt in Montana in April that um, they collaborated uh, or collaborated with another nonprofit called uh, PB Abate, Patrol Base Abate, that they went out. We camped in Montana and turkey hunted. So that yeah, was a neat that thing. That was pretty so cool. I hadn't been mon- to Montana before, but I can tell you that Montana turkeys behave a lot more like Missouri turkeys. You just got to get used to the different landscape. So. Yeah. But it was yeah. it was neat. So I've gotten to do that with uh, with BHA and the Armed Forces side and. I'm not in the armed forces chapter. I'm in the Missouri chapter, but yeah, they still open that stuff up to veterans, and that was that was a great experience. Yeah, what was the what's the collegiate the pillars? Is it um, so? I was looking at so we do the collegiate the collegiate program, um, and maybe just the pillars was a stood for. Are you talking the R three? I was thinking like actual pillars. But maybe that's because when I was looking at a picture, they were building uh, something. So I was, I would, in my mind, I was thinking, like, pillars. They were putting in pillars or something like that. But maybe the pillars was like a metaphor for like, you know, something. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar. I know you brought one. up yep. the armed forces one. Yep. The R three. Um, was another program. Yeah, and that's not just a BHA thing. That's a right. a hunting organizations nationally is, well, fundamentally what we see decrease, you know, you're, you're seeing a decrease in hunting. One of the key drivers of that is loss of land to hunt. So again, that's where BHA fits that position of trying to keep accessibility for hunting, which helps keep numbers up for hunters and anglers. But it's retention. Um, Gosh, I, I'd have to Google this one, but it's essentially retaining the hunters we have, you know, recruiting new hunters into the sport. You know, the late onset hunters, as many we yeah, the adult, start the adult onset, adult onset yeah, adult onset hunting, reactivation, and then reactivation. That's yeah. the one. Thank you. Nice. Um, so the ones who hunted, maybe they, you know, lost that that family farm, it got sold or whatever, and so um, how do we bring them back in or find new ways to hunt? Uh, and so that's an initiative that many outdoor organizations, conservation departments are all working to, uh, to work and you know, strive towards. And so BHA is a part of that. And so, yeah, that's one thing we do put a lot of our, our events towards is we, we welcome the experienced hunters and anglers and we welcome the ones who maybe haven't done it and they're trying to learn more. Like I personally, I hunted here in Missouri, but through BHA, because of the experience and the people I've met, I was able to take that knowledge and make the right connections to actually go and do my first Wyoming hunt, which was, you know, something that's just like always an abstract, maybe someday thing, but I never mm-hmm. was in a position to turn it into reality until yep. I found a hunting partner to head into the backcountry for 10 days with. So yeah, it just comes and shows up in different forms, but yeah. we do put a lot of effort into that. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I like mentoring adult hunters, honestly. I'd rather take an adult out than a kid personally, but, but I, I mean, I don't have kids. I don't like kids that much. so. <laughs> I don't know. take an adult out, and it, and I have a lot of fun doing that. I like yeah. it. I like mentoring adults and teaching them stuff that like I grew up with, and and sometimes it just doesn't cross my mind that other people don't see it the same way I do. Right. And it's fun to to illustrate and show that. Well, and you think about getting someone into hunting, your first thought is not to seek out an adult mm-hmm. that hasn't gotten into it. Your yeah. first thought: oh, I'm going to go get the next kid. You know mm-hmm. that. 
maybe lost a father or, uh, yeah. you know, just never got into it, never had the opportunity. But there's adults, too, that, well, you order, know, maybe order. they want to get into it. They just have never done mm-hmm. it, and they're this far along now, and it's like, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. Yeah, and the whole uh, field to table movement has is, is influenced that a lot. People want to find their own food and learn how to mm-hmm. cook. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually I found your collegiate program pillars. So you weren't oh, okay. you weren't off topic. That is a thing. Okay. Uh, we just weren't familiar because we don't yeah. have any collegiate <laughs> programs in Missouri. So yeah. if you're out there and you're in college and you're interested, let us know and we'll we'll get you working on a collegiate program. Yeah. But anyway, they have five pillars. Uh, it's community, and that's our public lands and waters are best shared with friends. Stewardship, protecting our public lands for future generations. Education and advocacy, empowering tomorrow's conservation leaders. Inclusivity, public lands and waters are for everyone. An adventure, which is find your backcountry, and those are the collegiate pillars. But honestly, something gotcha. like BHA so as a whole what is we feel like strongly the, about. Yeah. yeah, the pillars of yeah. where we talk know, about R three. That's what for. college is talking about. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. So yeah, you were yeah. you were not yeah. way off track on that. You you did see that. Yeah, I mean, you definitely just for outdoor for conservationists for you know, um, you know, getting more people into it you know this is one way to do it you know if you want to volunteer with bha or you know uh go to a pint night or go help with the cleanup or even if it's not with bha but if you just you know you can google anything and they do conservation cleanups and Mm -hmm. they're always looking for help doing you know stuff like that and um, yeah you know and i would encourage anybody out there you know if someone's wanting to get into hunting you know to start a connection there and see if you can help them out, you know, or, uh, you know, the kid that's got the single mom that, you know, needs, you know, someone to help him get out there. Mom, not really into the hunting and dad, you know, passed away or whatever the case may be. But yeah, um, you know, BHA is one way to get into all those things. And, you know, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, you know, and not just hunting, we're just, you know everything camping hiking fishing mm-hmm. all of it you know mm-hmm. we're all in the same boat on wanting to keep access to public land and keeping yep. it clean and keeping it you know the old adage right leave it better than the way you you know yeah when you leave so um one thing i wanted to bring up real quick that i touched base on you and this is a missouri issue too um that we kind of talked about real quick but um was the the four parks um and it's still kind of an an, an issue but so um in 2017 so jay nixon was the governor at the time so before he left he spearheaded a deal to get um to purchase um i think it was just over nine thousand acres of mm-hmm. uh to become state public parks mm-hmm. um and when he left <clears throat> Eric Greetens became the next governor. Well, he had the scandal deal and then subsequently was gone within a year. But while he was there, he put a stop to the Jay Nixon opening up that park. He put a stop to all three parks. And yeah, and yeah. postponed indefinitely the other three. So like yeah. four total parks. Um, and they're still sitting. Well, the last I checked, so the Bryant. So the three are Jay Nixon State Park, Ozark Mountain State Park, Bryant Creek State Park, and then Eleven Point State Park. One mm-hmm. of the things you all brought up 
or at least that I was able to read is, you know, the acquisition of the land for public, <clears throat> excuse me, is done. <clears throat> so the hard part, you know, it's like, it's awesome. We've mm -hmm. got it. Now we just open it up and figure out a way to maintain it. Um, and he put a stop to that. Well, and there were some efforts in some of those regions to actually force that sale of those parks, which um, fortunately that, that never really took traction because otherwise, again, loss of public land. It was private, you know, opportunity to purchase it for the public, public benefit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, a um, couple of those now are all in the, they call it a CDP, concept, conceptual development planning is what we've understood them to be at. Mm. Um, which is a good sign. Uh, sometimes those development plans take time and also the raising of funds and allocating money to that because you have to maintain the parks you have and then also be able to fund the new parks that you're looking to roll and open up. Yeah. Yeah, something to, man, keep an eye on. Um, but touching, touching you know, on while the, it's out there. Yeah, touching on those. Gosh, I was looking recently, Iowa... Uh, this is in a number of states, but you know, close to home here in Missouri, Iowa and Kansas, there's been legislative efforts to actually limit or prevent the, the ability for conservation agencies, parks departments to actually purchase any public land. Um, so that's one thing you have to be on the lookout for is, you know, we always wanna be able to capture opportunity to increase and add public land um, for the use of the public and so you know, trying to keep an eye and keep on top on top of any legislative yeah. efforts that may move towards removing that right or that ability as a thing that we you know are always yeah. advocating for as well. And yeah. a piece of that for MDC is it, MDC is not state controlled. It's a state agency, but they have their own board. Like the House of Representatives, the governor can't tell MDC what to do. Um, there have been movements lately to try to get MDC under state control, which is honestly bad for us because MDC is focused on conservation and mm -hmm. wildlife and public land because it's for us. MDC wants to keep 11 Point and Jay Nixon. They want to keep all these things um, that the state has talked about selling. So um, yeah. MDC is on our side on this one. It's like, hey, we don't want MDC under state control. We want them to maintain their, their mm -hmm. individuality and their independence to, to really focus on what we want them to focus on well, and not yep. what the bureaucrats and the politicians necessarily care yeah. more Ultim about. Yeah, ultimately a move, MDC, you know, Missouri, we have one of the best conservation models in the United States. One-tenth of 1% 1 of any purchase in Missouri goes to conservation efforts, goes yeah, to the, the Department tax. of Conservation, yep. Um, the reason for that is because we nearly extirpated a lot of our wild game back in the early, I believe it was in the 20s and 30s, and so, um, through the community, through the state, people decided we need to put the right model in, in now to fund and bring back our population, you know, our deer, our turkey. Gosh, even like raccoon was nearly extirpated, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, but they, through that, dang. The they need a little help the other direction now. Yeah, I, no. <laughs> I, I listened to your wild turkey uh, podcast on the way up here. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, probably. Yeah, but that said, you know so that model has games. been in place for so long that we are positioned very well to have public, you know, conservation areas and things like that. But if we were to move the funding and the 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 oversight away from the Department of Conservation to our state legislature, we're politi you know politicizing conservation. We're mm. politicizing wildlife management, and so when it gets again right. stuck in bureaucracy of that degree. 
Yeah. That's not really something we want, where depending on who gets voted in office, we're going to see a good move of, of habitat or a negative move or wildlife yeah. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. We need access, Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to follow those social channels. Cause yeah. That's a good way to keep up on. Because the moment something happens, you know. We try to get it out. You guys kind of get it out, and that's when all these Missouri right. hunters and anglers and hikers and everybody fishing, you know. Yeah. We got to we got to do something about it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have you had the chance to join yet? Uh, I put that as a close second. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Sign yeah. up. Yeah, sign up, join. You join whatever state you're in. Um you money from your membership. You live on in Kansas, you live in Kentucky. You live in that state, you join, your money goes towards that state chapter with some funds obviously going towards the national organization. Um, but they do a very good job of keeping it close to home. So when we have issues popping up locally, we can draw on those funds. We can draw on that money mm -hmm. to actually try and have a, a, a positive impact. Yeah, We do a lot of like the free gift membership drives. I don't know what's going on right now, but you'll get the free yeah. t-shirt or the free free now water bottle. bottle yeah. or, yeah. Gotcha. We get some of those. So definitely yeah. keep an eye out for those yeah. as well. If you're looking for a little bit freebie, because we, we do those pretty often. I just don't know what we got going right now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So if you're in Missouri, you can find Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Just look up Missouri BHA. Yep, Backcountry Hunters um, and Anglers. And then obviously you can go to their website, um, yeah. MissouriBackcountry.org, um, I believe. Yes, Backcountry. Backcountryhunters.org. Yeah, backcountryhunters.org. Go to backcountryhunters.org. There's a, an interactive map right on the landing page. You can scroll through, you can click on your state. It's going to surface up chapter, who's involved in the chapter. It's going to surface up issues. So any issues that yep. are facing in your state, you're going to be able to have access right there. Um, and yeah, you look on whatever social media you're on. You know, here in Missouri, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Other okay. states may be more, you know, have the TikTok or Snapchat or other mm. ones like that. I just, we don't have that here. We do, we yeah. do the primary too. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I'm not volunteering yeah. to do it either. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody can. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would encourage um, everybody to check it out, um, especially the social media pages. Then you can keep up on, you know, stuff as it's coming up. Then, um, and if you have stuff that you maybe need to report or maybe need to talk about, mm -hmm. um, you can reach out as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to see if it's something that BHA needs to get behind. Yep. No. Uh, you know, things like that. But it's definitely uh, um, a worthwhile organization to check out. And if you're wanting access to all this public land, so, um, you know, I think they're on the forefront of trying to keep all that available. Yep. Um, be interesting mm -hmm. to see what else comes about from the corner crossing thing that'll be something to keep an eye on um see if some of these public parks that should be open and i don't know why they're not yet you know we're six years now mm -hmm. removed from the acquisition of it and it's like what's going on so yep. let's get that wrong the the uh swan lake it's gonna yep. be a big one mm -hmm. yep. that's gonna be a buzz come duck season yeah, bridges. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, this is good stuff. Um, worthwhile. Make sure you check them out, uh, Missouri um, BHA, or check them out at backcountryhunters.org. And then uh, also, um, you know, spreading this video so people can 
uh, check it out. So you can, you know, make sure you find us on our Rogers YouTube channel and Instagram and Facebook and like, subscribe on YouTube. And if you could share the episode with everybody and um, get the word out, get that word out. So, um, yeah, I do appreciate it. I know we worked on a little bit trying to find time to get in here with everybody's schedule. So yeah. it yep. finally worked out. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Really appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. And one of these nights, we'll get everybody to join the pint night. Yep. So Sounds we great. Can, so we can talk some hunting stories. Oh, yeah. That's We've right. got them. That's I've got right. them at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got plenty of stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about that. So, again, Casey, Ryan, appreciate it. Check them out. Um, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And uh, until next time, we will see you later. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Thank you.